Streaming from Abby Cat Recording Studio in Chicago. You are listening to Influence, a podcast where we explore what makes great music influential. I steal a few breaths from the world for a minute And then I'll be nothing forever And all of my memories and all of the things I have seen Will be gone with my eyes, with my body, with me But me Awesome. Welcome to the newest episode of the second season of Influenced. I'm Blake Sokoloff. I'm Robert Dean. And this week we're doing one of the newest artists we've ever covered on the podcast. We're doing Mitski, kind of seminal 2010s indie rock and indie pop sensation who's taken over the the indie waves. And she's been one of my favorites since I can remember in my college days. I, I've seen her five times, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think five times. Yeah, I felt like she would be a great addition to our second season of the podcast here. Maybe... Um, Move our average age of our artists <laughs> down a good 20 years. At least. Uh, yeah, definitely. So yeah. Um, just the kind of beginnings of her career. She's had kind of a, a pretty all over the place upbringing. Mm-hmm. She was born in Japan to a Japanese mother whose name she uses um, these days and a, an American father who worked for the State Department. I don't believe Mitski and her father are that close these days. Um, Mitski and her family, kind of because of because of her father's job for the most part, moved around a ton when she oh, was yeah. a kid. She lived in like something like five or six different countries. Oh, it was more. Living. It was more. It was like over over a dozen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she like graduated high school in Turkey and yep. then she was all over the place. Yeah, she she lived in Turkey. She lived in China for a time. She lived in... The Czech Republic, and then she lived in a number of places in, in the U.S. as well. Like her, her family did eventually, eventually make their way to the U.S. But she's lived in Virginia, she's lived in North Carolina, and then she kind of settled in New York right. in in her adult years. Kind of because of her upbringing, she was kind of always the new kid, always kind of thrust. Like pretty much, she almost moved schools almost yearly. Yeah, like maybe she might get two years in a place if she was lucky. So she wasn't really able to form like the typical kid relationships with your friends that you've had for a decade or whatever. So she was kind of always a, a little bit of a loner. Like she talks about a lot, like when she was growing up, she would kind of almost reinvent herself whenever she went to a Mm. new school. Like sometimes she'd be the really quiet girl. Sometimes she'd be a party girl. Sometimes Mm. she'd be like a nerdy art kid or something. (laughs) She, she talks about specifically this one time where she like, I think it was during one of her, her, her time in Virginia. She talks about how she decided she was going to be the quiet kid that year. And then just for their talent show, she got up and she, she was probably 15 maybe at this t- t- point. And pretty much the first time most people had heard her really at all was when she got up her, for her talent show and did the Whitney Houston version of the Dolly Parton song, I Will Always Love You. Mm. That's obviously a pretty intense vocal arrangement for Whitney Houston there. And so she kind of did that as sort of wanting to be kind of this big cinematic thing where it's like all these kids who had never seen her before would all of a sudden be like, whoa, she's yeah. got this crazy voice. This? and. 
then she just talks about how when it when she actually went went down and did it, it was kind of just this normal thing. And for the most part, people were just kind of confused instead of wowed <laughs> by like what the heck she has these these huge pipes and she was so quiet and stuff. So she found solace in a lot of her just like music and singing and stuff like that when she was growing up. But I don't think she ever really felt like it was something she could really do for her career. Like she kind of talks about how it took until she was like 17 or 18 to really write her first song. And because it kind of because like when she because she was traveling around so much, she didn't ever really get the chance to like really get into a type of music. Like she talks about how for the most part, her her music taste growing up was kind of just the pop music, like the American and English pop music that would kind of just get popular wherever she was, kind of mm-hmm. just the massive, like the Spice Girls and Britney Spears right. and NSYNC and things like that, which are, you know, they, they're great pop songs, but it's definitely just like a kind of a whatever you're hearing on TV or on the radio kind of relationship with music. And she talks about how one year when she was like 16 or 17, she just kind of came home from a party where she was just kind of on her own at this, this, this place in a a kind of a place where she didn't really know anyone. And so she came home and there was just like an old little keyboard in her, in her bedroom. And she just kind of sat down at the keyboard and just ended up writing a song. And Hmm. then that was kind of the first time where she was like, Oh wow, I guess I can't actually write songs. And so it took her until she was like 16, 17, 18 to really, find out that she could do music so because of that she didn't have like a a lot of kids will just grow up and they'll be like oh i like the stuff that was on mtv or the the nirvana or the 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 big rock band of my time on mtv or whatever when i was growing up so since she didn't really have that she kind of formed her own relationship to a lot of kinds of types of music and one of the types of music that she was initially really attracted to was classical music and mm-hmm. kind of because of like the the orchestration and the way that all these disparate sounds kind of fit together for her and it for her at that at that age it felt a little bit more maybe authentic or maybe more like something she could envision herself making or doing than something like an insing song or something on the radio that sounds like pitch perfect and everything like that so one of her favorite pieces she's talked about a number of times in interviews is the piece by Igor Stravinsky, The Ride of Spring. So I'm going to play a quick passage of The Ride of Spring uh, for you guys right now. And this is just a recording done by the Royal Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra from 2016 or 17. So this is uh, a a quick portion of The Ride of Spring, an early classical influence from Mitski. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, uh, Mitski graduated high school in Turkey, but she actually attended college in the U.S., specifically New York. She started as a film student at Hunter College, which is, that's in New York City. And, oh, yeah, definitely. But after a bit, she uh, transferred over to SUNY Purchase, which is State University of New York in Purchase. Um, 
uh, to get after uh, music composition, which leads right into, you know, that particular type of influence that you just played. But... Oh, absolutely. And like her, her first, like if you look at her discography, her, her Mitski's discography is also a little interesting. And like, I don't know really any other artist like this. I mean, obviously there are sometimes artists who release a few albums independently before they get signed to a label. But with Mitski, it's kind of interesting in that if you look at her discography, she's got six albums now. And her first two albums were her kind of college albums and that her first album, which is just titled Lush, and her second album, which which is titled Retired from Sad, New Career in Business. Both of those albums were actually kind of college project albums where Lush was her junior year album Uh and Retired from Sad, New Career in Business is her senior year album. And so I'm going to play a first song off of Retired from Sad, New Career in Business here in just a second. It's called Goodbye, My Danish Sweetheart. You can really hear that very Baroque, classical, piano-based songwriting style that where Mitski was kind of drawing a lot from her classical arrangement and a lot of the classical music she grew up listening to. And a lot of that, I mean, one, that's the the kind of music that she was writing when she was at school and and playing entirely on, composing on entirely on piano. And, but she also made a very heavy use of student musicians on these albums mm-hmm. and especially on retired from sad new career in business because it was her senior project there's something like there's i think 20 there's 20 some musicians actually credited on the album in the liner notes and there's upwards of like 40 to 60 musicians mm-hmm. technically who worked on the whole project mm-hmm. and because that then that's because it it had kind of entire orchestral kind of arrangements for a number of these songs, including Goodbye, My Danish Sweetheart, which I'm going to play here in just a second. But it definitely was a whole kind of, it's definitely the most collaborative in terms of amount of people that Mitski has even ever really worked on. A lot of her albums since her college albums tend to be very insular, just her maybe working with her producer, Patrick Highland, mm-hmm. who she also met at... Um, at SUNY. At SUNY, yeah. Mm-hmm. He actually... Patrick Highland actually first started working with Mitski on her second album, Retired from Sad New Career in Business, and has since kind of become her regular go-to producer. So here I will just play right right here real quick, Goodbye, My Danish Sweetheart, off of Retired from Sad New Career in Business from Mitski, her 2013 senior project album. But this album, you can really hear the entire kind of classical repertoire almost playing itself in through a indie rock lens through Mitski's Mitski's music. So here's good to, Goodbye, My Danish Sweetheart from 2013's Retired from Sad, New Career in Business. You can see how it's blossomed for you And I don't blame you If you want to bury me in your memory I'm not the girl I ought to be But maybe when you tell your friends You can tell them what you saw Misky uh, released both of those, um, I'll call them college albums, um, uh, on Bandcamp herself. Exactly. And which is interesting. And um, 
you know, I guess started to get her known a bit. Uh, obviously, production was good. I mean, oh, yeah, she was definitely. kind of blessed with this great production um, capability at oh, SUNY yeah. and took advantage of it. Absolutely. And I mean, like, obviously, the the musicians on those albums are all, all great musicians because it's mm-hmm. a bunch of great college-trained and classically-trained musicians who are kind of all giving it their all on their big senior projects and everything. So there's a lot of great musicianship on those early albums but they are kind of a little bit of an oddity in Mitski's um, catalog just because she's yet to kind of go back to that really, really heavy classical influence. Like she's taken a lot more kind of influence from indie and pop music kind of since graduating. And once she graduated in 2014, I believe, she kind of um, she kind of was kind of left on her own for a little bit. Like she just started gigging around New York City and because of that, so like she, because she was on her own, like when she was playing in a lot of those college shows, they would be like a lot of college showcases at nice venues or right. at least college venues and things like that, where a lot of times they would have a grand piano set up and the kind of the the space for all the musicians and everything. And once she was graduated and kind of playing on her own, she started realizing like, oh, wait, it's a lot more difficult to kind of get all this gear and everything that I need for these shows when I'm trying to play this like kind of classically influenced music. There's a number of interviews where she tells this specific story about how, because a lot of her early music was very keyboard driven and piano written and everything like that. And so when she would go to play gigs, she would have to take this really massive 88 key keyboard with her on and she would try to get it on the subway in new york and she just always felt like ridiculous and everyone would be giving her dirty looks because she'd be <laughs> taking, taking up, up an extra seat just yeah. with the keyboard or whatever so she was just like i need i need to figure out a better way to gig in new york city and so she figured out that one of the easiest things to take around is just a little guitar mm-hmm. so like she kind of taught herself guitar i mean she i think she already knew like the basics and everything and she was already a great musician right. so it probably wasn't a major deal to learn guitar to learn how to songwrite on guitar, but that kind of led her into a kind of a whole other realm of kind of songwriting and influences. Yeah, I mean, you know, as she uh, traded in the piano for the guitar, one of the bands that uh, really she thought a lot of over the years was the Pixies. Definitely. And so this more guitar-oriented music that she sort of just stepped into. Uh, after kind of, you know, I wouldn't say walking away from the piano, but really taking up guitar and putting that in the forefront. Absolutely. And like, uh, the uh, obviously, like the Pixies were a seminal late 80s and early 90s kind of alternative rock band. And that kind of alternative sound is definitely one of the main drawing points that she was kind of aiming for with her music once she actually graduated from college. And then she pretty shortly after she graduated from college, she was actually able to sign a record deal with dead oceans who Mm. have been kind of an indie rock label since like the early 2000s i think they were formed in 2006 or 7 um but they've they've been a place that signed a number of indie rock bands before mitski like a like a lot of bands like a place to bury strangers and some other kind of shoegazy and kind of influenced bands like that and since mitski they've signed a lot of very famous artists like phoebe bridgers and japanese breakfast and things like that but Going back to the Pixies, Mitski was very influenced by like kind of very, very in-your-face kind of style. And I think she mm-hmm. wanted to kind of change things up a little bit just because she had been making kind of classically orchestrated music for so long that she wanted to kind of go back to something a little bit simpler. So here is 
Wave of Mutilation off of the Pixies' 18, 1989 album Doolittle. So here's Wave of Mutilation by the Pixies from Yeah, so that's the Pixies, definitely an influence on Mitski, and uh, Mitski had been a fan, obviously. And, and the other thing that um, I think she picked up on from the Pixies is just length of song. I mean, uh, oh, they both the Pixies and Mitski have, you know, a lot of songs that are like between two and three minutes long. They're oh, just absolutely. shorter type songs. As again, like release, she's released six albums at this point, and none of her albums... A lot of her albums actually have, you know, sometimes 10 to 14 songs on them, but none of her albums have actually ever hit over 40 minutes long. Mm -hmm. So sometimes like having a having an album with 14 songs on it that only ends up being like 32 minutes long, like that's definitely a a shorter album. And um, that's definitely something that she picked up from a lot of those kind of alternative and indie rock. Yeah influences of hers and and she's also really liked a lot of like very hard like obviously the pixies have some some punk edge to them mm-hmm. but she mitski has also talked a lot about re- liking a lot of really hardcore punk artists and everything like that like her her music taste is very kind of all over the place from classical music to hardcore punk but here is a song off of her 2014 album which is titled bury me at makeout creek which is actually a simpsons reference um but this is an this is her first major or not major label, but her first label released album. And it definitely you can definitely hear that indie rock, that heavy guitar sound, that very noisy and almost kind of a punky style of production. So here's Francis Forever off of Bury Me at Makeout Creek by Mitski from 2014. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely hear the um, departure from um, the albums you put out in college. This is right out of college, 2014. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, definitely a, a, a big departure from what, what she had been doing that was more classical. Definitely. And she uh, one of the things she talks about, like, once she kind of started doing this very guitar-heavy music, she started talking about how one of the things she was kind of drawn to about that guitar-heavy music is that she – could make it feel pretty live and like she was kind of inspired by a lot of the a lot of bands that were actually kind of older 60s and 70s bands that Mm -hmm. were actually tracking songs live on the floor like she's mentioned 
the kinks a few times as being like a, a an influence for that kind of really raw mm-hmm. in your face kind of guitar sound and style that she was kind of going for on some of these albums and this is definitely something that she kind of continued on from her from bury me at makeout creek to her next album which is called puberty 2 but before i play something off puberty 2 i do want to just play a quick snippet i mean you guys will likely know this song it's one of the king's bigger hits but all day and all of the night one of the king's kind of early single hits i wanted to play a quick snippet of because you can really hear that kind of in your face raw kind of straight from the guitar amp kind of guitar sound that was definitely an influence in kind of Mitski's indie rock heavy days so here's all day and all of the night I believe that you and me last forever that raw guitar from the kinks um definitely an influence and and that upfront vocals as well definitely yeah mm-hmm. definitely the upfront vocals are definitely a big thing for a lot of that kind of very direct in your face indie rock as well and so Mitski kind of continued on with with her next album Puberty 2 also released on Dead Oceans and she this is kind of the first album that she really started getting a lot of notoriety on Like, this is the first album that I saw her on tour for, like, two or three times. I actually saw her play a couple solo shows at the Lincoln Hall off this album. In Chicago. In Chicago. Mm -hmm. And um, then I also saw her open for the Pixies at the Chicago Theater, also off of this album. But this album also kind of got her her first kind of first few songs that actually started getting some radio play on alternative and kind of rock radio, which would be... Your Best American Girl and the single I Bet on Losing Dogs, both of those songs, which are actually right next to each other in the track list of Puberty 2, were kind of the first songs that started kind of blowing up online and kind of around the kind of indie rock scene where people were like, oh, wow, this is, this Mitski is kind of one to watch and something like that. So I'm definitely going to play a bit of I Bet on Losing Dogs here by Mitski, and you can definitely hear that kind of continued appreciation for the kind of loud in your face kind of almost grungy, kind of quiet, loud dynamics, which is definitely something picked up from the Pixies and bands like the Kings who kind of perfected that quiet, loud, quiet dynamic. So here's I Bet on Losing Dogs off of Puberty 2 from 2016 by Mitski.
Yeah, so Mitski spent uh, most of 2016 uh, touring off that album. Absolutely, Both yeah. in North America and, and Europe. And then she got the opportunity to uh, just into the next year, 2017. And you, you mentioned this concert, but she got the opportunity to open for the Pixies on tour. Oh, absolutely. And that was definitely the first time that she was playing like – larger theater type of venues and mm-hmm. then even just a few months after the pixies tour and i think late 2017 maybe early 2018 she actually got the opportunity to open for lords so right that was those two kind of tours kind of within a year or so of each mm-hmm. other were definitely a major proponent in mitski continuing kind of her her rise and she also was kind of beginning to re-experiment with uh, some more sounds, like on her like her first two albums that she made in college were very experimental sound-wise, and mm-hmm. then she got signed to Dead Oceans. And I do think part of it was due to the simplicity of like wanting to tour without like a massive band, because when she was touring off of Bury Me at Makeout Creek and Puberty Two, she was touring with a pretty bare bones kind of punk rock band lineup where it was just her singing and playing bass. Then one guitar player and one drummer, so no keyboardist, no second guitar player or anything. So the 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 style of her live shows was almost a little bit punky, and she would usually come out and play sometimes three or sometimes five songs, just her solo and guitar at the end as well. So mm-hmm. she as she started playing these bigger shows and in, in theaters and arenas with with the Pixies and Lord, she's kind of started branching out, and I think I, I I would have to double check my exact timing there, but I believe she brought in another musician for the lore tour to kind of help her mm. augment the sound with some keyboards and things like that while she was playing these massive venues for the first time. And she kind of started getting a little bit more of that kind of earlier pop influence kind of back into her music. Like she was initially very inspired by pop artists and classical music and things like that. And so, and then she went kind of in a very alternative direction for a few years. But around 2018, she started kind of experimenting with a little bit more kind of sound um, expansion. And you can even hear that a little bit on Puberty too, like on that song, I Bet on Losing Dogs. There's Mm. some synthesizers and keyboards kind of sneaking into the, the mix there in addition to the distorted guitars and bass and drums. So... She was also getting kind of inspired by a lot of kind of mid-80s and late-80s artists like Kate Bush is one she is an artist she talks a lot about. So I'm going to play here in just a second uh, the Kate Bush track Running Up That Hill off of her 1985 album Hounds of Love. But she was also very influenced by a lot of kind of film of that time. Like she talks a lot about being influenced by a lot of the how Miyazaki Studio Ghibli films of the late 80s and early 90s and a lot of David Lynch's work mm-hmm. around that same time frame. Um, so here kind of identifying with that, the musical side of that kind of decade of influences is Kate Bush. So here is running up that hill, a deal with God from the 85 album Hounds of Love by Kate Bush.
Yeah, I really like how uh, Mitski took that um, influence from Kate Bush. Kind of that classic, um, hmm, never get old type of type of sound, and okay. and just you know, just excellent vocal, excellent, not only excellent vocals, but. You know, great lyrics, which oh, Mitski's known for. Definitely. I mean, definitely. I mean, Mitski's lyrics are kind of the the forefront of all her songwriting, absolutely. And, like, that very kind of late 80s, early 90s, very lush uh, synthesizer mm-hmm. and kind of drum machine production is definitely something that Mitski was kind of leaning towards more on her, on her uh, albums after Puberty 2, like her 2018 album, Be the Cowboy, which is kind of her biggest album mm-hmm. to date. Um, featured kind of some of her biggest hits, which I'm going to play probably her biggest hit um, for a lot of her career, which is the song Nobody off of Be the Cowboy, which is the first single of that album as well. You can really hear kind of an immediate 180 where she just starts kind of concentrating on groove and a lush kind of atmosphere of the songs instead of a very in-your-face kind of heavy production that was kind of over her last two label released albums, you can kind of really hear that very lush kind of more groove oriented sound on be the cowboy. So here's nobody, the lead single off of be the cowboy from 2018 by Mitski. And this is probably one of her biggest, if not her biggest hit so far in her career. Yeah, so great album, obviously, but uh, Mitski toured toured on that album. Uh, in fact, she'd been touring, I think, kind of nonstop for at least five years, Absolutely, and she yeah. was kind of getting a little wiped out. I don't know Definitely. for sure what um, all came about here, but she did announce that her final uh, shows for a while, um, and didn't say for how long necessarily, but just for a while, was going to be in uh, Central Park, New York. Yep, in 2019, and, I believe. Yeah, and and. Um, uh, and those show, I don't know how many shows it was. I think it was a few, um, sold out like within an hour. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That by be the cowboy. She was definitely, um, a, a, an artist that was hard to get tickets to. Like, I remember I saw her on the be the cowboy tour and, um, I saw her, I think sell out the Vic theater, which is a pretty large theater in Chicago. I mean, it's maybe not Chicago theater size or anything, but it's over a couple thousand people and, she sold it out within a day or two of the tickets going yeah. on sale. So it was a massive sellout tour. And like she did definitely earn a few years off. And like she did eventually come back in 2021 slash 2022 for uh, for her newest album, Laurel Hell. But uh, we'll get to that in a bit. Kind of after her Be the Cowboy kind of um, victory lap, so to speak, with her tour and everything, she really kind of became apparent that Mitski really was one of the kind of the most influential artists who has kind of come up in the indie scene in the last, really the last decade. And like, she's, there are probably a dozen artists who talked about Mitski being a, a major influence. I mean, people from 
from um i mean i'm gonna play uh, a song from both japanese breakfast and phoebe bridgers here but artists like ali ali x uh snail mail and dozens of other indie rock and pop artists have mm-hmm. talked about mitsuki being a major influence on them japanese breakfast and phoebe bridgers some of the some of the bigger artists that have kind of come out of that kind of post mitsuki era almost i guess mm-hmm. but japanese breakfast even almost specifically kind of owes a lot of her musical career these days to actually Mitzi because um, Japanese Breakfast is the solo musical project of the artist Michelle Zauner, who is uh, who had been kind of in the indie rock scene kind of for a, over a decade at, at this point. But she was, prior to about 2013, 2014, she was a the front woman of this kind of indie rock kind of emo band called Little Big Planet that never really took off the way they wanted them to. And so mm-hmm. she was kind of got to the point where she was like, well, I need to make money for my life. Like <laughs> I need to get an actual job or whatever. So she dropped the indie rock gig for a while and was kind of working as an accountant, accountant and hating it and everything. So then Michelle ends up releasing this little solo album under the name Japanese breakfast. And then it gets a little bit of uh, notoriety, but just, it got her just enough notoriety to actually wind up as a as an opener for a couple of Mitski's tours and that was definitely kind of the thing that brought Michelle Zauner's music as Japanese Breakfast to the um kind of forefront of the indie rock sphere and I would also say that Michelle Zauner as Japanese Breakfast is now one of the kind of up and come bigger up and coming indie artists so I'm going to play a song off of her 2021 album Jubilee, which I feel like you can actually hear some of that Be the Cowboy influence on this song specifically, which is Be Sweet and kind of this album as a whole is kind of a very groovy, very groove influenced, almost a little funky kind of indie rock album from the the 2020s. So here is Be Sweet from Jubilee by Japanese Breakfast, one of Mitski's closer friends and definitely a large influencee, so to speak. Really great to hear that Mitski influence on Michelle Zauner. Oh, absolutely. And they're, I mean, they're definitely very, very, very close friends. Yeah. And another a major kind of indie rock. I mean, she, this is, this Phoebe Bridgers is honestly probably the biggest indie rock star that's in the kind of, in the, in the music industry these days. I mean, she's had kind of a meteoric rise off of her most recent album, um, but she also touts herself as a major kind of influencee and supporter of Mitski. And there's they both Michelle Zauner and Phoebe Bridgers have played shows as an opener. And they both talk about how they're endlessly inspired by her and her work ethic and her creative choices. And I believe you can even find somewhere on on Phoebe Bridgers Twitter. It might th- this tweet might be a few years old now, but I'm I know I've seen um phoebe tweets something along the lines of like oh i don't think i'm ever going to be as good as mitski so i don't know if there's a point to making music or whatever obviously in jest of course but um here is kyoto off of phoebe bridger's 2020 album 
Punisher. One other thing that's kind of cool about um, covering a uh, relatively newer artist like Mitski is uh, it's going to be really kind of fun and interesting to see what influences come out in the future. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, Mitski is definitely still well into her music career. Like she totally. did take a few like – she took about a four-year break from 2019 to about 2022. But she did recently kind of return with her most recent newest album called Laurel Hell – which we're going to kind of close out the uh, podcast with a song um, off of Laurel Hell called The Only Heartbreaker, which actually is another one of kind of Mitski's bigger songs. It's probably the biggest song off of Laurel Hell. And it actually um, kind of another just sign of Mitski's kind of, um, I guess, placement in the music industry these days. But um the only heartbreaker actually made it onto Obama's last. Um, I I don't remember right. if it's a summer playlist or if it's an end of the year. It's playlist. like an annual p- playlist. Yeah, Barack but, Obama. Yeah, but oh, the last heartbreaker made it onto the last kind of Barack Obama annual playlist, uh, which is definitely a major thing for obviously Mitski. I mean, like that's a that's a a major player, and I mean usually it's those the the songs on those playlists are usually like a. Bob Dylan song and then maybe one or two pop songs so they sound current so it's it's pretty cool that the 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 current songs that Obama is is jamming out to or whatever are are some tracks from Mitski so here's the only heartbreaker um so thank you guys so much for this newest episode of Influence yeah it is always very fun to cover some younger artists on the show every now and again like like we did Sharon Van Etten and Jenny Lewis and our the last kind of couple of episodes. And yep. um, actually, speaking of Jenny Lewis, we mentioned it on our Jenny Lewis podcast, but Jenny Lewis earlier this year had been an opener for Harry Styles, mm-hmm. the uh, member of One Direction. And actually, Mitski just got announced as the uh, opener for like the next portion of Harry Styles' no. tour, which is kind of interesting to go from Jenny Lewis to Mitski. He's definitely keeping an eye on kind of the indie rock yeah. and pop scene which is kind of an extra cool little thing. I mean, it's definitely, it would definitely make going to a Harry Styles show better for me if, if Mitski <laughs> was the opener. Here so. is the only heartbreaker off of 2022's Laurel Hell by Mitski. And thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Influenced. I'm Blake Sokoloff. I'm Robert Dean. And you can actually follow us now on uh, Instagram on social media at influenced.podcast. You want to stay as up to date as possible on our recent episodes and everything like that. So thank you guys so much. This is the only heartbreaker off of Laurel Helmitsky's 2022 album. So thank you so much. This has been Influenced. <laughs>